Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. Today is Yom Hazikaron, a day in which the citizens of Israel, and by extension Jews all over the world, observe a day in which we remember the many fallen soldiers and victims of terror since the establishment of the state 75 years ago. We remember the 24,213 fallen soldiers and 4,255 victims of terror. Numbers that are truly unfathomable. As we know, one of the most awesome moments that takes place each and every year is the sounding of the siren, and the entire state of Israel comes to a halt. People who are walking stop. People who are talking pause their conversations. Cars and buses, everything comes to a halt. And for a very short period of time, everyone stands in a moment of silence. I recall many years ago when I had the opportunity to be studying in yeshiva at the time of Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaShoah as well, and there was in yeshiva those who questioned whether or not it was appropriate to pause whatever it is that we were doing, in all likelihood at that point, studying Torah. But the question was raised, is the concept of a moment of silence indeed an appropriate Jewish response? It would seem that the concept of pausing in a moment of silence is something of secular origin. Where do we find? Find me a source in Halacha where it says that when looking to memorialize, to remember, to observe a moment of zikaron, we stop what we are doing and we pause for a moment of silence. What is the source for this idea? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Personally, I never found this question to be particularly compelling. After all, if we were honest with ourselves, we would recognize that we probably spend many, many moments, an innumerable amount of moments throughout the course of a day in which we are wasting our time and doing nothing. And so therefore, for no other reason, just to show respect and solidarity to those who do find meaning and treasure the moment of silence, it would seem to me that at the very least, we should stand together with Achenu B'nai Yisrael. That being said, I think the question is an important one. And I think it would be worthwhile for us to ask ourselves, can we in fact find a source from the Torah for this idea of observing a moment of silence? I believe the answer is yes, and I'd like to share my thoughts with you. In the beginning of this week's Parsha Parshas Achrimos, the Torah references a great tragedy, which was recorded just several weeks ago in Parsha Shemini, that on the day of the dedication of the Mishkan, two sons of Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, were tragically killed. The circumstances and the background for that particular story are less relevant for the moment, but what is important is that this was a time of great celebration, this was a day of tremendous potential, and suddenly, a tragedy occurs. And the Torah tells us that Moshe approaches Aaron, and he tries to comfort him, and he says, And Moshe tries to comfort Aaron by telling him that his sons were extraordinarily special. However, the Torah is very clear about what Aaron's response was. Two words which famously capture this unfathomable moment, and that is Vayidom Aaron. Aaron stood dome, silent, like a rock. He just stood there, and he said absolutely nothing. Now, one can argue, of course, that Aaron didn't say anything because he was in complete shock. We know that when a person receives terribly shocking news, it can completely jolt their system, and they find themselves frozen 
paralyzed, so to speak, for a period of time in which they can't move, they can't breathe, and they certainly can't talk. And so therefore, on a certain level, Vayidom Aron would seem to be just a very, very natural, almost instinctual reaction on the part of Aron. But it's possible that the Torah over here is conveying to us that Aron, on a certain level, made a choice. He made a choice at that moment to be silent. He made a choice to be quiet. Of course, it's unlikely that he would have had anything particularly profound to say at such a moment, but still, the decision to remain silent may have been consciously driven. Allow me to refer you for a moment to another relevant source. The Gemara Menachos Tavchav Tesem tells us that at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu ascended Har Sinai in order to receive the Torah, he found that Kaddish Baruch Hu who is Yoshev Akosher Kasarim Laosios, which means that he saw that Kaddish Baruch Hu is sitting Kavayachal and attaching the extensions, the crowns, as the Gemara refers them, to the various letters in the Sefer Torah. And Moshe says to Kaddish Baruch Hu, "Why are you doing this?" Nobody is going to notice these small extensions. They are not going to resonate with the people who are going to study Torah. And Amr Lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Adam echad yesha asid besov kamadoros. Hashem says to Moshe, you're wrong. Many generations in the future, there is going to be an individual. His name is Akiva ben Yosef, and he is going to be Doresh kol kotz v'kotz, tilin v'tilin shalalachos. The Gemara says, Hashem says to Moshe, you'll see. There is a person who is going to reveal and disclose the inner meaning to each and every one of these extensions to the letters. And Moshe asks HaKadosh Baruch Hu to get a glimpse of this great person. And the Gemara describes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows him. He gives him a little bit of a glimpse into the future, and Moshe is sitting in the shear of Rebbe Kiva. The Gemara tells us he's in the eighth row, and Rebbe Kiva is talking and giving a shear, and Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't understand what they're discussing. He doesn't understand the conversations, the back and forth. He seems lost. He's not following the shear. At a certain point, somebody says to Rabbi Kiva, how do you know this? And he says, He says, I know this because this is a tradition that we have from Moshe, who received the Torah Misinai. And at that moment, Moshe had a certain degree of comfort, understanding and appreciating that the Torah was something that would evolve and expand over the course of generations, tracing all the way back to this incredible moment when Moshe was there in Har Sinai. He then says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and show me what will be with this, this great man, this extraordinary individual, Rekiva, who will plunge the depths of Torah, what will become of him? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him another preview into the future. And he shows him how Rekiva was tortured to death by the Romans. And Moshe Rabbeinu was forced to watch that terribly distressing and awful and tragic scene. And he didn't understand it. He couldn't make sense of it. And he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Zu Torah v'zu schara? I don't understand. For an individual who devotes himself to you in such a way, who is able to develop Torah in such an extraordinary way, this is the schar that he receives, this is the reward. And Omer Le'akadosh Baruch Hu says, Shtok, quiet. Kach Allah b'machshava Don't question my thoughts. Don't question my ways. This is the way it is. Quiet. So here we have a situation where another individual, in this case Moshe Rabbeinu, is perplexed, he's confused, he doesn't understand what's happening. Why should there be such tragedy in the world? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, Shtok, quiet, this is the way it's going to be. So how could we understand this? What is the message behind the quiet? Take a moment of silence. What, what is the message here? So there is a Mishnah in Perkyavos in the third parak. We know that traditionally we learn Perkyavos this time of year. Now, the Mishnah says many things over there, and in the interest of time, I'm just going to jump right to the end, where the Mishnah teaches, interestingly, in the name of Rebbe Kiva, that if a person wants to protect 
If a person wants to set up a boundary, a fence, literally, in order to protect Chachma, wisdom, the way to do that is to learn the power of Shtika, which means silence, quiet. Now, what exactly does that mean? How exactly does Shtika preserve Chachma? If anything, you would think it would be the other way around. After all, we also learn in Pekiavos that Ein Habayi Shon that if a person is going to be shy, and if a person is not going to ask questions, and a person is going to be very reserved and withdrawn, so he's not going to be able to learn all that much. Growing in Chachma is a dynamic process. It's one that requires speaking and conversations and engagement. How is a person going to protect Chachma by being quiet? So what exactly does it mean when the Mishnah Pirkei says Chachma? What is, what is the Chachma that we are referring to over here? So elsewhere, Chazal teach us, Ezeu Chacham HaRoes Anolad. Who is a Chacham? A person who could be Roes Anolad, which literally means someone who could see into the future, what has yet to be born, so to speak. Now, this doesn't mean that the only person who could be a Chacham is a prophet. We're not talking about prophecy over here. Roes Anolad means to be able to understand and appreciate that in life, every action has a reaction. And before I do something, I have to be Roas and Olad. I have to realize that if I do this, there will be certain consequences. And there will be consequences to those consequences. And if I could see two, three, four, five, ten steps ahead, I will be a true Chacham. Now, in order to do this, in order to protect Chachma on this level, a person has to learn the importance of silence. Silence means that I recognize and appreciate that right now I am only looking at one frame. There is so much more that has proceeded, there is so much more that will follow, and when I am experiencing moments of life, particularly moments of tragedy and difficulty, moments in which I don't understand, rather than react, rather than respond, rather than try to explain, the way that we could protect, the way that we could preserve Chachma, to be Roas Anolad, is to learn to be quiet, to learn to be silent. This is a skill in fact, the Gemara elsewhere refers to Shtika as being an umdis, an art. This is a real skill, something that we have to develop over time. It would seem to me that when we take a moment of silence, particularly on a day like this, on Yom Karon, when we are remembering the tens of thousands of individuals who died al-Kiddush Hashem, defending, protecting, and settling in the land of Israel, our silence is not merely a surrender to the things that we don't understand, It's not merely a way of stopping because we have nothing to say. It's that we are recognizing that we are living through a period of history. History, by definition, is a linear process. There is past, present, and future. And right now, right now, we find ourselves at an incredible point in Jewish history. If you zoom back 100, 150 years ago, who could have imagined what the Jewish people would have experienced over the last 100, 150 years, going literally from moments of Afela to Ora, to going from moments of Shibud to beginning a process of Geula. I want to share a story with you. Years ago, probably close to 20 years ago, I had the opportunity to hear Rav Matasio Solomon, who's the Mashkiach in Lakewood Yeshiva, he came to Tinak to speak. And he told a story that he had been learning in Gateshead, 40 years earlier. Now, this story goes back 20 years ago, so this was probably 60 years ago. Ms. Solomon was learning in Gateshead, and he told how Diane Grunfeld stopped by and was asked to speak in the yeshiva. And he took out a paper, which was from an American journal. It was written by a secular Jewish journalist, and this individual was going to tour England, and he came to a place called War's End, which is 10 miles away from Gateshead. 
And war's end is a place where Hadrian built a wall called Hadrian's Wall. And at this point, thousands of years later, all that remained are a few moss-covered stones. It's a big tourist attraction. I've never been there personally, but this is where he was. And this American journalist remembers that he had yard site on that particular day, and he was directed to go to Gateshead, where there's a yeshiva, and maybe he'll be able to go there and say Kaddish. So he came to the yeshiva. He reports that this is, was his first time in yeshiva, and he was amazed to see how life in the yeshiva was throbbing. There was such energy in the room, and he was just amazed by it. He had never seen the energy of a base medrash. Of course, he, he didn't really understand the language, but he was trying very hard to pay attention, maybe to pick something up. And suddenly he heard from several rows away the name Rabbi Kiva. He heard somebody say, Rabbi Kiva says. And this man, who was obviously somewhat knowledgeable, said, Rabbi Kiva, I, I know that man. Rabbi Kiva was a great rabbi who was tortured to death by the Romans. Who ordered his death? It was Hadrian. Hadrian, the Roman emperor, made a decree that the Jews are not to study Torah and rabbis are not to teach Torah. Rabbi Kiva publicly defied that decree. He challenged Hadrian, and he was then executed for his crime of teaching Torah. And now, says the journalist, years later, what is left of Hadrian and what is left of Rabbi Kiva? Literally a stone's throw, one from the other. Hadrian, we find a moss-covered monument. War's end, nothing else. Rabbi Kiva's legacy is alive. His pupils are vibrant. Everything that he stood for, everything that he lived for, and everything that he died for continues to grow. The Roman Empire is gone, and the Jewish people continue and they thrive. It is precisely for this reason why moments of silence are so important. When Moshe Rabbeinu saw the preview of Rabbi Kiva's execution, he didn't understand it. And he said to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, explain it to me. And Hashem said to him, Shtok quiet. Take a moment of silence because there is so much that you don't see. In order to be a chacham, in order to be roas and nolad, in order to appreciate the tapestry of Jewish history, we have to have the humility to know that at certain points in time we just need to be quiet because we're not seeing the whole picture. There was the past and now there is this present moment and there will be a future. And at a certain point in time, it comes together and it makes sense. To be clear, as long as we are in this world, we will always have more questions and answers. We will never be able to gain that perspective that will help us understand the mystery of Tzadik Viralo, Rasha Vatovlo, Chazal tell us, based on the Pasuk and Pashas Kisisolo Yirani Ha'adam Vachoy, a mortal finite human being, by definition, is just that, finite. And we don't have the capacity, we don't have the ability to understand things that transcend the finite. But a moment of silence is not merely a surrender. A moment of silence is not merely, let's stop because we have nothing to say. It is when we stop, we take a step back, and we look at how incredible, how incredible Jewish history is. The fact that we are here 75 years after the establishment of the State of Israel the most extraordinary miracle and development since the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, we take a moment of silence on Yom Hazikaron in order to be Makayim, that which Rabbi Kiva teaches in the Mishnah Perkiyavos, Siag Chachma Shtika. In order to preserve Chachma, in order to become a Roa Esanolad, 
in order to develop the maturity, the sophistication, the appreciation of Jewish history, we have to be quiet. We have to take moments of silence and recognize that there are things in this world that we don't understand, but if we are patient and we recognize that we are looking at but one frame and one frame only, and we have the courage to pause and the patience to zoom out and to look around ourselves, look back and look forward, we can see something that is truly extraordinary. We hope and pray that the Jewish people should find comfort on this day of Yom HaZikaron, that the hundreds and thousands of people in Israel that are remembering their relatives that died, Akidah Hashem, we hope and pray that everybody has true nechama, comfort on this day, and together with them, we stand on this extraordinary day and take a moment of silence. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Ha! <laughs>